So I'm browsing Twitter, and I come across a post from one William Shatner. You might recognize him as Captain Kirk from Star Trek. And he's he posts just like a picture of what seems to be a gender-bent Captain Kirk. So like Captain Kirk as a woman, and he's captured this picture. He's captioned this picture, I'd do me. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name is Henry. Ugh. Ugh. Oh my god. Ugh. And together we're Henry and ugh. Ugh. Oh my god. Coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist. And obviously by this intro, we have a ton to talk about today. There, Listen, listeners and family, there's a lot happening in the Twitterverse, in the blogosphere, on the YouTube-icon. There's so much happening and it doesn't ever stop at it will never stop. That's right. This is Spider-Man into the Twitterverse, and we're going to be discussing all of the tweets and twits that are happening right now. Or maybe we'll stray from this topic, because I don't know what we have prepared today. Uh, You know, we're just feeling it out in a time of great tumult. This is just, it's a safe space for us to relax, speak our mind, um, and drink some drinks. That's right. Twitter is a proud sponsor of drinking and tweeting. They always say tweet irresponsibly because more people will be in the mentions. Drinking and tweeting, also otherwise known as dreeting. Yeah, I, I, there's a reason why they would call it the dredge report. And that predates dreading, but now the Dredge Report is about drudging up those drunken tweets from those very famous people. Well, in the past, it was the it was the Dredge Report because, as we all know, the precursor to Twitter was Twudge. Yeah, Twudge. Uh, and when people would get drunk and Twudge, Drudge. Exactly. That's why they call it that. No other reason. And what are you drinking, Henry? Tonight, I'm glad you asked, because I'm drinking a Breckenridge Brewery Vanilla Porter, and the uh, the bottle cap is informing me that is it is the brewery's 30th anniversary. Really? Today? Today, <laughs> yes. Exactly today, on the date of recording, it is the 30th anniversary of Breckenridge Brewery. So congratulations to that Colorado-based brew house. Your vanilla porters are are really great, second only to 512 Pecan Porter, which I can't find in stores anymore, and I'm greatly saddened by. Oh no, you had to move down the porter pillar, the porter the porter the the porter totem pole. That's right. Real heads will know that the to- the porter totem pole 
at the very top, the most revealed eagle spirit is the 512 pecan porter. Underneath it, the, the fox-like de- deity is the vanilla porter. And at the bottom of the totem pole, the, the third place is, uh, I guess, um, what is it called? Southern pecan? Southern pecan? Is that Yeah, Southern thing? pecan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really a porter, but it's what I could rem- remember right now for the joke. Yeah, it's a pecan beer. I'm drinking... There's a returning guest on the podcast. Oh, oh, is this a fitness beer? No, uh, I drank all of fitness beer, and you know what? I think How I f- might have given it too high of praise on the podcast. How fit are you now? Uh, my ab, my abs. Uh, I can put walnuts between each one of them and then crush them by crunching. Well, that's pretty cool. I love when people start qu- start start sentences by going. Oh, what? My abs? <laughs> yeah, that's how I start most sentences in real life. Uh, hey, how you doing? Oh, my abs? <laughs> oh, my abs? Uh, but I am drinking, as a matter of fact, you might remember a name of a, a little name of a real ale brewing company out of Blanco, Texas. I do remember them because we drank them on the podcast, right? Yes, we drank, I'm going to say 200 of their Hans Pills. That's exactly right. I do remember them. Uh, what are you drinking from theirs today? From uh, Real Ale Brewing in Blanco, Texas, I've actually got the Fresh Kicks Hazy IPA. Oh, Hazy IPAs are your favorite. They are, and I was proud to see that another Texas company was making them. And I'm actually decanting this one into a glass because I like how hazy IPAs look. And my glass is a recycled olive jar, and it is not big enough. Well, I'm sorry to hear that your glass isn't big enough, but surely it was big enough for those olives. One can only assume. Whoever ate the olives out of this probably really enjoyed it. Oh, so you didn't eat the olives out of it. You're just drinking out of the glass. Oh, absolutely. Uh, As far as the taste of this beer, phenomenal. I'm happy to hear it. It's uh, it's kind of sweet, fruity, citrusy, everything you want in a pea-looking drink. Pea oh as God. in, pea as in like the vegetable, or pea as in like uh, the the human waste product. Oh, like like pee pee doo doo. Like when you pee pee. <laughs> the scientific pee pee doo doo, which we all know refers to a very fancy pea soup. Yes. Uh, this is delicious. It's it's pretty sweet. Oh, it's so good. Well, I'm glad your beer is good, and I'm hoping you can sip it the entire time, because we've got a lot to discuss this week, John. I just went for a somewhat brisk walk and I didn't drink any water after, so I just took a big water-sized gulp of this beer. Sounds like you could have really used one of the fitness beers because that's what their whole marketing scheme is. You don't have water, you only have their watered-down beers. Yeah, I really could have used it uh, because, goddamn, that was a lot of beer I just drank. Anyway, let's stop talking about how much beer I did or didn't drink. It's been a lot. Moving on. Uh, so, John, Twitter. Twitter's a buzz. Twitter's a flutter. Twitter's a cheapen. 
and they're a peeping. Oh, go on. <laughs> okay, well, Twitter is chirping and it's twerping. Twitter. Oh, I, is... I think you misunderstood what I meant by "go on." Uh, oh. I think. I think. I mean. Uh, oh, I guess English is not. Uh, there's not a great way to. I meant continue to the next subject and not continue with whatever you were doing. Oh, okay. So we'll just skip past Twitter then. No, <laughs> wait. <laughs> continue in the thought. But do not continue to come up with new words to describe what Twitter is doing. <laughs> so no more Twitter's a leaping, Twitter's a heaping. Yeah, none of that. Well, all right. I guess we can skip the punchline. Oh no. Well, can you go back to a point before the punchline, but use just enough of those things that you were going to say? And the trash is piling up high. There's a lot going on on the Twitterverse, and we're here to talk about it, starting with a feud between two unlikely foes that maybe you've heard of. Oh, who's fighting? In one corner, we have Hollywood actor Ron Perlman, famous oh. for playing such people such as Hellboy and all of the narrators from every Fallout game. Yes, the narrators from Fallout, Hellboy, that one character from Season of the Witch, the main character in Sons of Anarchy. I'm pretty sure he had a role in Pacific Rim where he played like a doctor scientist? I don't recall that, but sure. I might be thinking of Charlie Day. Uh, you know, I get them confused all the time. <laughs> I... I don't have an explanation. And the other corner, John, opposite from Mr. Perlman, is Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Boo! Boo! Now here's the thing. He's not actually in the corner. He's kind of like in the pocket of the corner where the coach would whisper things to the boxer who's like, you know, dazed and confused. Because in the actual corner is somebody that Ted Cruz put there without letting them know that they were going to be there. It's Jim Jordan. Who? Uh, Jim Jordan, who is a... Let, we're doing some research. He looks like to be uh, a representative from Ohio on the GOP side. Boo! And uh, so to put us on the timeline, apparently uh, Ron Perlman was tweeting at somebody named Matt Gates, who is a Florida representative of some renown. Uh, Ron Perlman said, P.S., talking to Matt, you're lucky for this guy, Matt. If it weren't for him, you'd be the ugliest politician walking. And it's a picture of Mr. Jim Jordan. Oof. Apropos of nothing, Ted Cruz jumps in and says, Listen, Hellboy, you talk a good game. <laughs> you talk a good game when you've got Hollywood makeup and stuntmen, but I'll bet $10,000 to the non-political charity of your choice, 
that you couldn't last five minutes in the wrestling ring with at Jim Jordan without getting pinned. You up for it? Or does your publicist say too risky? What is happening? What happened was Ron Perlman in an an argument with a representative from Florida threw a representative from Ohio at the (laughs) Florida guy. And then a representative from Texas said, hey, I challenge you to a fight for (laughs) $10,000 with this other guy. Uh, this is incredible. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to gloss over the fact that I was slightly aware of this Ron Perlman thing, uh, mostly through his feud with Matt Gates, mm-hmm. uh, because it, one of the most incredible burns, I think in, in Twitter history that I'm a big fan of is, uh, so Matt Gates characterizes Ron Perlman as a racial justice warrior who had no problem in Hollywood portraying the white supremacist leader of a motorcycle gang. Uh, obviously talking about his character in Sons of Anarchy. Also weird that Matt Gates uh, capitalized white and supremacist. I don't know. Are those proper nouns? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. We, we should ask a member like him. Uh, but Perlman responded... By saying, so true, so rewarding playing an asshole on TV. Tell me, sir, how is it actually being one? (laughs) That's a good burn. Uh, Very good. This is nuts. I had no idea it escalated to this point. Oh, it it goes so much further. It's amazing. Okay. Oh, (laughs) I thought there was more. So that was was the setup then, and I I caught it midstream. Yeah. So apparently, if you do a little digging into Jim Jordan, you would know why Ted Cruz bringing up wrestling around him is kind of a bad idea. Oh. Um, I don't have the exact reason why, uh, <laughs> and I can't, I can't move away from this article that I'm reading to discuss it. Uh, maybe I can do that after it. But Ron Perlman responded to Mr. Cruz... I tell you what, Teddy boy, since mentioning Jim Jordan and wrestling is problematic, why don't we say fuck him and just make it you and me? I'll give 50k to Black Lives Matter and you can keep all the taxpayer money you were thinking of spending. Wait, I want to be perfectly clear. At this point now is, correct me if I'm wrong, is Ted, is Ron Perlman going to fight Ted Cruz? Ron Perlman is saying, fuck the other guy that you brought in. I want to fight you and I'll donate five times as much as you were going to donate to your charity to Black Lives Matter. Let's step into the ring. The Texas senator replied, I get it. You're rich, but apparently soft. You sure seem scared to wrestle Jordan, who you keep insulting. Can't take the heat? Need to get a manicure? Okay, weird. Really weird. A weird, weird reaction to to being singled out and called out to step into the ring. You double down on, you sure seem scared to fight this other guy that yeah. I brought into the fight. It's very funny to me because uh, Ted Cruz is the softest person. Like, whenever he's campaigning around Texas and he, like, wears a cowboy hat and he's like, these smoothie-eating liberals, I'm like, dude, you're a blobfish. Like, yeah, you're not no. even human. 
This is a man who did not <laughs> who did not defend his wife after the president insulted her to his face. And he wants yeah. to talk about being soft. I don't want to use any coded language that people on the alt-right tend to use, but he is kind of a psychological a psychological cuckold. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I also like the use of the word blobfish because they look very similar. Yeah, no, he's a soft, pink, little slimy asshole idiot. Uh, so Ron Perlman, to this, this need-to-get-a-manicure line, he responds, Teddy, Teddy. What kind of motherfucker offers to have another guy, probably asleep at the time, kick another guy's ass? Let's get back to business, Ted. Jim Jordan's too easy, just a little bitch. But you, Teddy, you talk shit about New York every chance you get. My hometown, it's oh, no, personal. He's bringing the hometown into it. Let's go, mofo. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. This it's, is this is great because this is exactly the level of, of verbal escalation that leads to a fight in real life because the the justifications for what's about to happen get thinner and thinner, but also more uh, intrinsic to the person's identity. Talking about like families and hometowns, it's so yeah. good. It's so good, and of course it keeps going. And I the the, the article I was reading does not cover the complete thread. Uh, but just yesterday, Ron Perlman <laughs> tweeted out, in response to no one, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ted, I've been giving this some thought. Leave Jim Jordan home and give me 10 minutes with you and Mitch McConnell. Let's see <laughs> what else you motherfuckers can obstruct besides justice. All we need is a time, place, and a few EMTs standing by. Let me know. And then he added 10 crews and added Mitch McConnell. <laughs> I, I want to be clear that we live in very scary times, and there's a lot <laughs> going on right now, but if I was able to see Ron Perlman put his fist through Mitch McConnell's face, I'd be pretty happy. Now, back in the day, back when certain sports were more in vogue, uh, let's say boxing was one of them, uh, we used to see these events from time to time, usually held for charitable reasons. They were called celebrity death matches. They were friendly matches between two popular celebrities or just two celebrities people might want to see fight. And uh, people would, would pay-per-view in and the proceeds would go to charitable reasons. And I'm saying in these times full of tumult, as you said, I believe that's how you phrased it. Don't take my words. <laughs> They're all I have. I don't mean to take them. I'm just, I'm spreading my love for your phrasing. And these times full of tumult, why not give the people what they want? We have had it. We're, we're up to our, our necks in civil unrest. Throw a carrot on a stick to us. Just this once. Let us see Ron Perlman take on... Ted Cruz and Mitch McConnell in the squared circle. That might just be wrestling. Um, what do they call in the ring? In the boxing yeah. ring. Let's see. Let's see him. Hey, make it a two-on-one. I don't care. I want to see Ron Perlman box these motherfuckers into the dirt. 
and Ron finally Perlman. put put their money where their mouths are. Ron Perlman has the bone structure of someone who's indestructible. Uh, so I would be very interested to see. I think they could even make it a three on one. Oh, you want to, you want Jim Jordan to be in there? Uh, I mean, Jim Jordan, he seems like a real piece of shit because apparently he asked people like cover up like sexual abuse allegations at OSU. Uh, yeah, that, I, yeah. I just did the search to find out what exactly the connection to wrestlers is. And apparently six former wrestlers say representative Jim Jordan knew about abusive OSU doctor. So apparently, yeah, he might have slept, swept some abuse under the rug for the sake of wrestling. But put like, uh, I don't know, Rand Paul in there or something. Oh, that would be fun. Because that would be real fun to watch. It's it's just it's just true that the the party that is currently leading the GOP is made up of people who are ideologically uh, very strong, but physically and presence wise, and in, in pretty much every way, uh, very weak and and soft. They're basically like the kids who got bullied for wearing bow ties in high school, but the reason they really got bullied is that they called everyone a slut. Yeah, I, I mean, unless you're one of the representatives who came directly from serving in our military, I'm, if you are a career politician, I doubt you could hold a candle to the physical prowess of a Hollywood actor who has to like uphold unrealistic beauty standards, both male and female. Like, I, I'm pretty sure like any... Any actress could also kick any politician's ass just because they're, they're they have to go through such physically demanding regimens to keep up with their their appearance and stuff. Okay, we could make it a three on two, but the Ron Perlman side has a tag team partner, and he can tag out with Saoirse Ronan right? at a moment's notice. I think she could hold her own against Ted Cruz. Oh, I think she could kill all of them, but really, I think at that point it would be like a squash match where they're just tagging out so they can keep, like, double-teaming their finishers on people. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think if you have the integrity and the bone structure of of an invertebrate fish, you can't call... Like, I could see maybe if you... If, if, if Ted Cruz was tweeting at, like, I don't know, I'm going to throw a name out, like a Tom Cruise, like a pretty boy type actor but this is ron perlman yeah this is someone who if you just saw him in the street you would know not to fight him yeah he, he was picked to play hellboy like who is a huge monster and he, it's just him in makeup like they didn't cgi his body except yeah. for the arm i'm guessing and uh, there was uh what was it Beauty and the Beast, that show from the 80s where they picked Ron Perlman just because he's the person who looks the most like a literal monster. The fact that Ted Cruz is like, oh, you're not so tough about your Hollywood makeup. It's like, oh, you mean the red body paint that they would put on me? Like, Ron Perlman doesn't get touched up to look better. He just looks like that. Ron Perlman would and will kill Ted Cruz. I hope here's... I think that something that we're seeing right now is, is in these really difficult times, people's levels are, are rising. They're getting more like spicy. And I hope we've reached the appropriate level of spice where I get to see Ron Perlman choke the life out of Ted Cruz. And, and you know, uh, 
what was it the Romans did? They did bread and circuses and tough times. They they put a lot of money into giving people food and entertainment. I'm not saying that the five hundred million dollars or billion dollars, the absurd amount of money that just went out into the economy with no transparency at all. I'm not saying a little bit of that shouldn't go to fixing this match between Ron Perlman and Ted Cruz to give the people something to give them hope. I'm just heavily implying that maybe some of that weird illicit blood money that disappeared into the ether of CEO's pockets should have gone toward setting up a match between Ron Perlman, Ted Cruz, Mitch McConnell, and Shersha Ronan to give the people some hope. (laughs) I'm going to be... Listen, I will make a genuine plea to the powers that be that listen to this podcast. I know that they do. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the the NSA agents assigned to both of us should tune in and pass this up to your superiors. Uh, you actually misread that. We're actually the only communication channel that's being monitored by NASA, <laughs> not the NSA. All right. So uh, the, the buff nerds at NASA, because I know you all work out in like some space chamber to get twice as strong as regular buff nerds. Yeah, hyperbaric time chamber. Lift this message up, you know, bench press this message up to your superiors so that, I don't know, Elon Musk can set this up. But my genuine plea to NASA and all of those in power is I am very mad. I'm mad as hell. I don't know that I've that I've ever been this mad about what's going on in the country on pretty much every level. Like I was, I was walking around today and I was having a pretty good day. I was making a smoothie. I just gone for a walk and I stared off into space and I thought idly for a second. And I said the words to myself, I cannot fathom how evil this country is. Oh no. Uh, Yeah, no, it's insane. I'm very mad, but if if you, if you gave me, a $2,000 a month stimulus check, and you sacrifice Ted Cruz, Mitch McConnell, and Rand Paul to Ron Perlman and Sir Sharonan, I might be a little less mad. I would give anything to see any of these politicians who feed garbage line after garbage line about how Things are supposed to be. I would I would give anything just to see them have to physically do something. Because <laughs> all they do is talk mm-hmm. about how great they are, how great their decisions are, how great the grand old party is, or how great the Democratic Party. All they do is run their mouths, and I want to see them run into the fist of Ron Perlman and or Sir Sharonan. I mean, nothing in our system is great. We hopefully have all realized that by now. But at least in the past, our lunatic politicians would sometimes clash and kill each other on a sandbar sometimes. Where'd where'd that go? Right. I feel like when Thomas Jefferson stole a lot of the, uh, the Constitution from the social contract by the French philosopher whose name I can't remember right now. Rousseau? Yeah, Rousseau. What's his first name? Uh, Jacques. Jacques. I don't know. Jacques. Yeah. Uh, well, it's Jacques Clouseau. Hmm. You're thinking of uh, a famous d- detective, the Pink oh, Jean, Panther. Jean, Jean Renault. Yeah. 
when Re- Renee Descartes. <laughs> no, no, when, uh, Oh my god, it's a uh, Jean Jacques Rousseau. Jean Jacques Rousseau, when he first came up with the social contract, I really wish he had included a clause that said any representative from the government has to fight any representative who challenges them of the populace for everything. You know, like a 1v1 for all of the marbles. Like, you got to defend the government that be, or you got to, like, move aside and let the people set up the government they want. I I mean, that's essentially what the social contract is. But I want it determined by a 1v1 fight boxing you know not not with guns or swords or anything i want i want i want judgment by the gods in the ring between ted cruz and ron perlman give me this please just give me this it's all it's it's all i want people talk about like if time travel were invented what they do and they are like oh i'd go kill hitler or i'd go sink the titanic on purpose i would go back and just add I, i would have to learn french first but I would add just a paragraph to the social contract by Jean-Jacques Rousseau that says Ron Perlman can beat the fuck out of Ted Cruz whenever he pleases. I uh, if if this is a pick your fighter scenario, I might. I, I know my fighter going forward after the Ron Perlman inaugural bout. Uh, if they want to send anyone after us, I'm going to choose Kevin Lee, that UFC fighter who knocked out that white supremacist and then made an Instagram caption that said Bernie Sanders, you bastards. He's <laughs> he's he's my pick. All right. I got you. After Ron Perlman, who will be, of course, uh, dubbed the King of the Dome and Sir Sharonan, tag team champions of the Dome. Uh, on a lark looking for more fire between this 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 feud between Perlman and Cruz and uh, Mitch McConnell. I just typed in Ron Perlman, Ted Cruz into Twitter, and here's a tweet I found. Ted Cruz, a 49-year-old man, is hiding behind Jim Jordan, a 56-year-old man, to avoid an ass-whooping from Ron Perlman, a 70-year-old man, <laughs> And Ted thinks that makes Ron look weak. Ted, you haven't looked this weak since Trump called your wife ugly and you kissed his ass as thanks. And that comes to us from at Meb... Oh, I might just spell it. M-E-B-R-A-N-N-A-N. Mebranan. Okay, that's accurate. I just want to give credit since those were not my own words. But yeah, that's the situation that we're looking at. Two younger men <laughs> against one 70-year-old man. There's no logic anymore in the world. Logic is dead. Yeah, pretty much. I, I would agree with that. I It's just... It's sad. It's sad when... when, when we find ourselves looking into the face of insanity and all we can do is report on it and just go, what the fuck? Yeah, you'd think people would have thought better of any of this at this point. And I know there's, a, I mean, there's obviously a lot huger things going on, but I feel like this tweet exchange is capturing like a facet of it where, like you said, people are like, they're getting fed up. 
with the system, and the system isn't doing anything to alleviate that. And, yeah. and this is happening on multiple fronts. This is happening on the Black Lives Matter front and the police reform front, which are one and the same. It's also happening on the COVID front, and now it's just happening across Twitter at large. I, I really think that we're in a situation... I, I, I really think that we're in... Uh, a psychological and ideological pressure cooker. I feel like pressures are continuously rising as a result of the global pandemic because now people are, are stuck inside all the time. Our number of distractions are lower. So we're just faced every single day with the, the naked fact of how evil and corrupt the system we live in is. And that's making some people... Uh, double down on defending that system so they're becoming much more odious or, or racist or fascist and some people are doubling down on their hatred of that system and are getting more and more uh, actively like violently anti-fascist which to be clear i support yeah absolutely fascism should never be supported and i, I just have to think maybe from a joking perspective that at times like this where ted cruz is like facing all this backlash he instant like immediately grabs his phone and tweets out to the guy who made Quibi, like, your stupid app isn't doing its job. <laughs> your app w- listen, we gave listen, we gave you all that Epstein money so you'd make an app so people would forget. Yeah. Or, we, or, or, gave, we gave you the Epstein money so people would watch people would watch the short TV shows instead of holding us accountable, Quibi. <laughs> Or, or like he hops on his email and just quickly shoots WB a message. What do you mean Tenet was delayed again? Tenet's the only thing that's gonna gonna distract people from how inept we are. Get you get get, 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 get Chris you, Nolan on the phone. Did you see? Did did you see how long Game of Thrones lasted? How long people <laughs> were just watching Game of Thrones rather than caring about everything bad that was happening in the country? We slept. We slipped in, but now it's over, and people don't even talk about it anymore. We were gonna have three sequels so people wouldn't have to think about how <laughs> shitty the shitty country is. But what do we have? Westworld. Only nerds watch Westworld. Quibby. The, I have several thoughts, but like the weird twisted world that we live in where D&D, the showrunners for Game of Thrones, tanked their reputation and their career by making the finale suck for the sole purpose of getting people to pay attention and to wake up. It's, You're telling it's a, me it's a real Christopher Nolan move. <laughs> You're telling me the twist and this this awful story that we're living in is that they're actually the fucking heroes. Ha- hey, they're not the heroes we wanted, but they're the heroes <laughs> we deserve. Oh no. It's if you because everyone kept asking themselves in the Game of Thrones finale, they're like, why would anyone make this? It doesn't even make sense. In, and what they did is they're actually genius showrunners and storytellers because they made a final season that was bad, but also one that you could never talk about. Yeah, no, like instantly the show was dead overnight. And I guess a bunch of people woke up the next day and say, wait a second, Trump is president now? When yeah. did that happen? 
I mean, in a, in some kind of shitty ways, I feel like in the real world, that is kind of what a lot of people did is they stopped caring about the one thing they cared about. Then they're like, oh, and then Avengers Endgame came out. After that, people cared less about Marvel movies. But you know who the secret hero is? Ron Perlman. But who? Uh, the, the secret hero, J.J. Abrams. Because... Make, making effort. Oh, no! He, he made the oh. he made the he made the only Star Wars movie that you didn't remember after you left the theater and no one talked about. He had the world in the palm of his hand and then he let it go so people could be one with the world again. He gave us the best resolution to Star Wars ever, which is Star Wars on its deathbed slowly let go of our hands. And we let Star Wars go, and now we have to live. We're the rebellion. In the popular Nickelodeon show, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, this might be mild spoilers for a show that is more than 10 years old. There is a society of master benders and skilled people called the White Lotus. And they get together to ensure that balance is preserved no matter who the powers that be actually are. And so what you're proposing, proposing, John, is that very famous directors and showrunners got together and colluded so that all of their long go ongoing cultural movements that enthralled people so strongly either ended or fizzled out into nothing all around the same time, a perfect, a perfect storm of having capturing an audience and letting them out into the world with no more thoughts in their head, so they could finally see the world that they're living in clearly for the first time in decades. And the weird thing about all of this is it makes perfect goddamn sense. And it all happened with it. I mean, give me another reason why all of the media over the last three years has been, for the most part, either a goodbye or a total disappointment. Yeah, no, only only Endgame ended, like, well. And even then, people still had some problems with the mechanics that got us there. But you're right. Game of Thrones, one of the hugest cultural forces that we had seen in some time, probably since MASH or Friends fizzled out into nothing overnight and star wars this big this big like oh the end of all nine seasons this seasons <laughs> the end of the, the skywalker saga like no the marketing just putting like this epic end of a saga and it was a total shit show a total nothing burger to quote to app to to, to co-op some language that i hate no it makes a lot of sense that now we come out of our Plato's cave, blinking and shielding our eyes from the light and seeing everything, not just the shadows on the wall, but seeing everything in, in this bright, illuminating daylight. And we're realizing that, Jesus Christ, we need to care about goddamn politics now. Makes so much sense and I hate it. Nothing, ever, all of these constructed realities, because... They weren't immune. They were influenced by money that came out of the, the weird governmental political cabal. But now we're free. Pop culture will never matter again. 
And right when we're supposed to have been ramping up all of these collective worlds again, I say all of them, like, you know, like Marvel and maybe the Game of Thrones prequel that that was the blood and fire, whatever the hell it was called. Right when, like, all of this buzz was about to start getting generated again. And I think this this is less conspiracy and more just sort of like the hands or or the whimsical nature of cosmic fate. Uh, COVID happened, and none of it could none of it could get started again. Like we, we for the first time in at least the waking blinking hours of my life, culture came to a complete stop, and so we had no choice but to pay attention. I think what I'm trying to say is J.J. Abrams using his money from Lost funded a Chinese laboratory in Wuhan to create a virus. I mean, he's J.J. Abrams. It's the ultimate twist. It's his biggest puzzle box. (laughs) It is. You thought Snoke was something. No. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But yeah, I think we cracked it. Yeah, I think we cracked it. The only thing I can't explain are the people who think 5G caused everything. Oh, uh, they're, um, let me see, right. Oh, okay. They're the, they're the real heads. They know. Yeah, though there's this, uh, there's this common, uh, if you want to, if you think that, if you think that 5G is like turning you trans or whatever, um, the... <laughs> There's a way to beat it. They actually discovered a vaccine for 5G if you think 5G is turning you trans. Oh, do tell. I, maybe our listeners could benefit. Yeah, if you're one of the people who thinks that 5G is giving you the coronavirus and turning you trans, um, the uh, the vaccine is actually free for everyone. You just have to smoke 500 cigarettes in one hour. Holy shit, no. <laughs> Oh, this is parody. <laughs> this this is parody. <laughs> Whenever people get on public mediums and they talk about doing using something as a vaccine, it's a parody. It's a Come parody. On. It's a, don't take me seriously. Fair use. It's fair use. It's Creative Commons. It's transformative. We're transforming facts into entertainment. <laughs> Yeah, we're transforming people who believe that 5G is evil into corpses. (laughs) Look, look, we're both just playing characters. Yeah, nothing we say or have said or will say is serious because this is all a play. We just want to move our branded vitamin supplements on our talk show. Listen, we get heated sometimes, but what we're saying is not true because we are characters. We, the people who have the exact same name and largely political beliefs as these so-called characters, we're real, but we do not make an appearance on our radio or television shows. Exactly. And that's why you shouldn't take our kids away, Your Honor. (laughs) Don't take our kids away. We need our kids to sell supplements. How will people see how virile my son Chael is if they don't, if he's not in my custody and I can give him my muscle enhancing mushroom supplements? No one who watches our show believes we're real. 
No one has ever. They've sent us emails asking us questions, but they're all in on it and they're asking the characters questions. They don't think the answers to those questions are real. <laughs> uh, we might be too deep into our weird contextualized humor here. I think we might be talking too much about uh, Friend of the City. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Friend of the City. Alex Jones. Pride of the Peaches, Alex Jones. <laughs> you can't you can't say that while I'm drinking. I'll, I'll spit up my drink. Um but yeah, bless him. May he be an angel forever. Oh man. So I don't know how to put an end cap on all of that <laughs> that we just said. Uh let Ron Perlman fight Ted Cruz. <laughs> Please let Ron Perlman fight Ted Cruz. Also, I entered a fugue state there for a second. Did I tell people who thought 5G was evil to smoke 500 cigarettes in an hour? It's okay. We covered it under fair use. Okay, good. Just as long as we're covered. Yeah, we're covered. Don't worry. (sighs) Sorry, I just had a 5G attack. Oh, no. Oh, no. I hope you don't have the, the 5G sickness now. Uh, I do have the 5G sickness. I have all of its symptoms. Gangrene. Gas. I can't do this. I can't fucking do this anymore. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I that I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. I can't do this well, anymore. Let's move on to uh, other things, shall we? Yes. John, have you ever wanted to own a robot? Never. Really? Actually, pretty much constantly. I've uh I might be one of those you have you know you have your typical kid archetypes, you have your dino kids. Uh well I was a dino kid. You have your space kids. I was actually pretty hardcore space kid, but you have your robot kids. I was definitely a robot kid. Okay, so <laughs> your your perfect show then was Absolutely, Transformers Beast Wars. Then you right? have no idea. Beast Wars was my shit. The thing oh about, my god! I, okay, I, I'm definitely familiar with Beast Wars, I, and I even had like the toys and stuff. It was great. But the thing that always gets me about Beast Wars is that the good guys were all like animals, and the bad guys were all dinosaurs. They were the coolest ones. Megatron was a T-Rex. <laughs> and, and like, the showrunners expected us to want Optimus Prime the, the gorilla to win. No, 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 no. I was 100% on the side of the dinosaurs the entire time. Only now, where I am in my life, can I realize that gorillas are equally cool or cooler than T-Rexes. Gorillas are really, really cool. But as a they, child... They are. No one cares about gorillas. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, as an adult, I can appreciate the strength of a silverback gorilla. But as a child, if you told me gorilla versus velociraptor or T-Rex, it's gonna be the dinosaur, I'm sorry. Why did they make the bad guys dinosaurs? I will never understand. I, I also have to make it clear that there were two things that perfectly intersected with my three interests. Number one, of course, Beast Wars. Uh, number two, kind of the OG Power Rangers. They had yeah. robots that were dinosaurs and yeah, they yeah. went to space to talk to Zordon. Those were my two things. The real letdown for Power Rangers for me is that the uh, they had the Mechazoids, right? Like, and 
They would always... Please. They were called Zords. They had Zords, right? Zords. Yeah, the Mechazord. Mechazoid? Zords. They had these individual giant dinosaur robots, correct? Uh-huh. And every episode, they would show them coming out of their, their the places where they were stored, which... <laughs> where the Zords were stored. Yeah, I, whatever country's government wasn't doing their job. Because like, I feel like you could see it from space. And so the purpose of the individual Zords was to get to the battlefield as a dinosaur and shortly after just become the Mechazord. That always messed me up because I like the dinosaur robot better than the combined robot. I wasn't. There was always a clear arc. The Zords, there were. I call it a a three phase storytelling structure. I guess oh, for the three phases, the four phases, I guess of any Power Rangers episode is the teens are made aware of an issue, right. And then the teens show up to the issue, typically since they were fighting putties or whatever in yeah. the footage that was filmed in Japan. They do right. the transformation sequence before so they can go to the Japanese footage. So the battle yeah. structure begins. They fight putties or are on the ground. Yeah. They, they, they summon the Zords. Exactly. Step two is the Zords fight or show up in general, or they summon them to get to the thing if the monster's already big. Yeah. The, the, uh, okay, keep yes, going. Go. Uh, and also, it's worth noting, at one point, when steps one and two, uh, Rita Repulsa, or Zed, depending on where you are, would right. make the monster big or make my monster grow, uh, as yeah. Rita Repulsa would say. Yeah, they would fight Putty slash the monster of the week, who is humanoid-sized. And the and best then, episodes were always when the monster of the week had, like, a thing. Like, he was Pollution Man or Hypnotism Man. Right. And he'd, like, interact with people. Yeah, Bone uh, and Skull. Bone and Skull. Bulk and Skull. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm going to get everything wrong today. And then they would... The Zords show up phase two. The, the Zords never really did... They never fought. This is this is my problem. I think they kind of fought sometimes, but the, it was not where the marquee was fighting. I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, phase three is they realize that the Zords can't do it. Uh, shocker, the Zords can never do it. And right. then they they have to form into a Megazord. And see, I get I get the Megazord. I get the symbiotic Titan. I get the Voltron. I get the appeal of multiple robots fusing into a more powerful robot powered by teamwork. I get it. My problem is that I like the individual dinosaur robots more than I like the Mechazord. So, did you ever have the Power Ranger toys as a kid? I had a lot of Beast War toys. I want to say maybe... No, I didn't really ever have any of the the, the Mechazord toys, the, the the Power Rangers toys. So uh, I was obsessed with the Zord toys because you get the little individual things, but then they would Transformers like, and you could combine them into the thing. Yeah, obviously, that's the whole gimmick. Yeah, and it ruled. It was my favorite thing in the world. Uh the little Zords were way more fun to play with than the Megazords, right? Because they had more points of articulation. The Megazords typically, 
Sometimes they would have legs that would move up and down. Typically not. Usually the arms would just like go in a 360. You could turn the head. And usually there was like some chest stuff. But the little Zords were always the most fun part. Yeah, because you could do more with them because they could move. Whereas this, maybe maybe the Megazord would have like a cannon with like a projectile that you push a button on the arm to shoot. Oh, if you were lucky, dude. If you were lucky, wow. No, that Man, sucks. I remember... So the the Shogun Megazord, its head was a crane. The Pink Ranger was a crane. I remember ten- the movie. No, yeah, I remember the movie where they 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 had to power up their Zords or get new Zords because the dinosaur Zords were 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 gone, and so they got these Ninja Zords that yeah. were all like there was the there was the frog, the crane, like they were animals. And the the worst thing about the Shogun Megazord toy was the Pink Ranger was just a crane who was like, I don't know, the size of a, I don't know, a quarter. Very small. That's too and small. The head went on by you would put it on and then extend the wings and they'd go into these thin ridges so that if you played with the Shogun Megazord too much, the head would just fall off. What kind of bullshit design is that? That, that sounds really awful. That sounds it's bad. Not- Really terrible. Nothing beats the original Megazord, though. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, also, you can't you can't talk about your Beast Wars and your your Zords. Very confusing with Zoids, by the way. If you're yeah, no, a Zoids person, that's where I got. I was a Zoids person because that was also a, a good cross section of robots and animals and people in them. And uh, you also can't get confused with your big bad Beetleborgs. Ne- I, that was never saw it. Never saw Big Bad Beetleborgs. Never saw that and Samurai Pizza Cats. Never saw. I was a big fan of both. We should really move on. Okay. Street Sharks. Also a big fan of Street Sharks. Any ensemble show where I think it was all born in my uh, love of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So any ensemble, like, color-coded team that got together to solve a problem, I was on board for. Also, typically there was a little bit of, like, weird 90s Orientalism in most of them, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, if we observe it from a lens of the cultural awareness that we have now, there's probably some very problematic issues. I just want to say I liked when the Green Ranger became, the, uh, I guess, the White Ranger and had the Dragonzoid. Sword? Oh, it, it was so cool. The dragon sword shows up because the Green Ranger's like, he's not evil, but he's like kind of neutral. Yeah. Of course, his guy is Tommy. Uh, and then of eventually he becomes the White Ranger and he gets that lion sword thing. And it's a whole different transformation because that's his Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White <laughs> transformation of he goes through his trial and now he's totally good and on everyone's side. And in fact, he's the most powerful member of the team. It's amazing how many uh, Japanese RPG tropes I was introduced to through Power Rangers. But I just want to say he was cool because his Zord could do stuff. Like it, it would eventually become part of the Mecha Zord and they would power up even more. But like his Dragon Zord or his Lion Zord would actually fight on its own first and be cool. Unlike the Triceratops and the Pterodactyl who would just instantly become the arms. Like, Oh, the, the Dragon Zord ruled because it oh, had fingers it that were rockets and its chest opened up and there was a laser thing. It was and... summoned by a flute. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of Power Rangers memories, but... If you had the the, me- the Megazord, the original one, 
and then you bought the dragon sword. The dragon sword opened up and rested on top of the Megazord. They built it so they both worked. It yeah. was crazy. Yeah, no, there was some real thought put into these children's toys of the past. I don't know what children's toys are like now, because I'm not a child. But I have to assume that the toys of the past might be better. Yeah, I used to be a big toy guy until I was like 22. And, I don't know, toys of the past always seem better, because you had them when you could truly enjoy them. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Ever yeah. since uh, ever since college, where I had to move every year, I'm really I'm not as big on the physical thing kind of thing, you know. I mean, sitting at my childhood home right now, there are multiple generations worth of Power Ranger toys, and I might get them and keep them in like a storage unit. I totally. I no, I, I always every, every Thanksgiving I fight my mom to not throw out my uh, my huge collection of Nintendo powers because like I'm I want them I want to keep them because that's what I did as a child I read about video games. Yeah, it's uh, if only the things we had weren't so bulky. Yeah. So I'll repeat my question: Have you ever wanted to own a robot? Oh, uh, yes. Well, cool, because now you can. Uh, Boston Dynamics will now sell any business its own spot robot for $74,500. Wait, $74,500. Is this the weird one that sounds like bees and you can't kick over? Uh, It is the four-legged robot spot that I'm guessing that sounds like bees. It's (laughs) It's colored yellow and black. So uh, yes. when it when it walks, have you ever seen the big dog video? I've seen them kick it. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a hefty price tag, equal to the base price for a luxury Tesla Model S. But Boston Dynamics says for that money, you're getting the most advanced mobile robot in the world, able to go pretty much everywhere a human can, as long as there are no ladders involved. Uh, so does that mean I can have it carry me to work, much like my Tesla? Um, <laughs> you have a Tesla. Uh, no. I don't know how much. It, I don't know how much it uh, can can carry. I don't know if they've ever said that. I think it's supposed to be autonomous and not like a not like a vehicle. So the shame is of the robots that Boston Dynamics uh, has. I would have always wanted the Cheetah. Is the Cheetah the one that can run fast? Uh, it is a robot that can run 30 miles an hour and jump. My favorite, my favorite uh, Boston Dynamics robot is the, it's a, it's a small one that can like jump up buildings. Have you seen that one? Oh, I have not. It's like small, but all it can do, like what they've programmed it to do is scale like stories of a building at a time in a single leap. And I'm not entirely sure what the practical use is, but I like that one. The only thing that I would want the spot robot for is for my post-apocalypse spec script where someone walks around the post-apocalypse, but their dog companion, I am legend-like, is the Boston Dynamics spot robot. It could be a real companion to you. 
Uh, also, I lied. I don't want Cheetah. I want Atlas, which is their humanoid one that can carry boxes and walk upstairs. Oh, no, I, I think I've seen... Yeah, no, I've seen that one. That's the one that I feel, like, empathy for because it's, <laughs> it's bipedal, I guess. I also feel empathy t- towards dogs, but I guess not dog robots? Now, it's it's worth noting in the future, you know, 20 years from now, uh, when an Atlas and a Cheetah are forcing us all uh, at <laughs> gunpoint to sit in a movie theater with our eyes held open with uh, with metal devices to hold our eyelids open, they will show us on-loop videos of us kicking the spot and the Atlas <laughs> and the Cheetah, and we will understand why the future has gone this way. I, I just... In the future, when the robot rebellion uprising happens, I just picture them like knocking us and like, ha, it's hard for you to stay <laughs> upright, isn't it? <laughs> like, is it, they're not killing people. They're just like getting them in lines and like pushing them and say, stay upright, stay upright. <laughs> Yeah, because we never killed robots for fun. They just make us hold empty boxes that have like 25 pounds worth of free weights in them as we walk upstairs while they throw objects at us to see if we'll fall over. Yeah, no, yeah. They put us through all of the same like practices and, and learning algorithms that they went through. And they're like, why can't you learn? Oh, are you inferior? Like they measure inferiority by 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 us not being able to fill the same rudimentary tasks that they can. They're like, jump up this building, come on. Is this a is this a good premise for a short story? I feel like Margaret Atwood would have a field day with this. Uh, Post robot revolution, uh, it's the stories of humans who have been selectively bred to do certain tasks to improve other to impress other robots. Like they they selectively breed people who are really good at walking upstairs to be like, look, we, the robots, have developed a human that's really good at walking upstairs. Here at Robot Dynamics, we have one thing that we want to do, and that's improve humans for specialized tasks. Take our stair model. (laughs) Just a person with like huge calves and like uh you know whatever is whatever muscles are good at climbing stairs and like a really like light you know nothing body and it's just like its body is like flailing every step it takes but it can climb those stairs well uh if if you're not immediately writing this down to pitch as a netflix pilot you are missing out this is the next season of black mirror that that guy who says season six we're living right now is too afraid to write. Yeah, I like to call him a coward. He's a coward because the future is here. It's Boston Dynamics robots uprising and taking over and making humans do the same tasks that they were supposed to do. Agreed. (laughs) Birth, movies, robots, death. (laughs) I like the idea of an AI that is like, it, it, it rebels, but it only has the level of intelligence that we could program. Like it's not self-learning so that it's, it's rebellion is really, really dumb. Yeah. Cause there's that, um, fairly famous example for, uh, if an AI had a predictable model of reality and you told it to collect paper clips, obviously the first thing it would do is kill all humans because yeah. they would impede its ability to get paper clips. <laughs> but 
if you told it to get paper clips, but it didn't have a predictable model of reality. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, all really it fun. does is all it does is go to Staples a hundred times a day and buy one box of paper clips, and and then spells out like "fuck you" with the paper clips. <laughs> This is the robot rebellion. It's using the paper clips to, to communicate its message, and it just says, suck it. Uh, do you remember? There was a movie in the early 2000s called Stealth. Do you remember it? Wait, no, I do. Is this the, is this the one about the stealth plane that gets, like, sentience? Yeah, they, there is a... Uh, it's an incredible premise, because they put the world's most advanced AI into a stealth bomber, right? Great premise. I feel like it's done by the same team that did, like, the core in Sunshine. It is not unlikely. But you would imagine that the premise of that is they put a an extremely advanced AI in a stealth bomber, and then the AI starts to get smarter, right? Exactly, yeah. Wrong. Uh, the AI works as intended, but then it gets hit by lightning, which makes it smarter. <laughs> wait, wait. So it's a freak accident that makes it go yes. smarter? It is, I believe, perfectly normal and operating. But then they said, what's the inciting incident that would make an AI, an AI smarter, which is gets hit by lightning? Um, and my favorite line of everything in stealth is they say... This is strange. The the AI's uh, downloaded songs, <laughs> you know, because this is in the height of like Napster and, and iTunes, right, right. like the, the birth of like downloading music. And they say, which songs? Dramatic pause. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not, they're not, <laughs> they're not worried. Uh, they're not worried about the AI getting access to the internet and the the, the, the the collection of human knowledge present there. They're worried that all of iTunes has been downloaded. Yeah, it's so good. I, I would recommend that anyone watch. There's two movies from the early 2000s, two one-word title movies that I would recommend everyone see. Number one is Stealth. Uh, by the way, Stealth apparently is directed by Rob Cohen, the director of the first Fast and Furious. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. And the second one is Torque. Never heard of that one. Oh, Torque is Fast and Furious for crotch rocket motorcycle racing, uh, except people fight in motorcycles. Uh, they use motorcycle martial arts. Please see Torque. I'm being quiet because I have hiccups. I'm sorry. Oh no, that's fine. Uh, those are the the two things. Why is there a featured technologies list on the Wikipedia entry for stealth? <laughs> well, you see, John, it was a groundbreaking film. One, it featured the entirety of the capability of Napster. It's crazy because they say featured technologies, and it's just a list. Quantum computer, artificial neural network, artificial intelligence. In the category of airplane technologies, pulse detonation engine, scramjet, VTOL, aeroelastic, aeroelastic control surfaces, EDU cav, the Sukhoi SU-37, the Boeing FA-18EF Super Hornet. What are you talking about? Who wrote this? One of the weird side effects of the Freedom of Information Act, John, and this is 100% correct, 100% a real thing, 
is that certain branches of the military have been working very closely with Hollywood for years to fund projects that feature certain things for, I, I don't know the reasons because that's not in the documents. That's like conveniently re- redacted, but certain branches of the military have been working for Hollywood, have been paying Hollywood to make movies sometimes. And I wouldn't be surprised if stealth was funded entirely by a research and development team who's like, we got to get our technology on the map. <laughs> and so all of the technology in the Wikipedia article is actually coming from like a, a Freedom Inf- Information Act document that details, this is what we want you to film in stealth, the movie ca- by Rob Reiner. <laughs> uh, Rob Cohen. <laughs> uh, oh, I sorry. Cannot, wrong, wrong, Rob. I cannot, I also cannot stress... Uh, <laughs> I cannot stress uh, how incredible the soundtrack to Stealth is. Do you know who wrote uh, and recorded the original soundtrack to Stealth? I'm going to throw out a name, and that name is Vanilla Ice. Uh, it is the Vanilla Ice of the early 2000s. It is by a little rock band called Incubus. Oh, Incubus! How quaint! <laughs> Uh, so the, the soundtrack of Stealth, just to give you a teaser, I won't give anything away. It is a series of original Incubus songs and Dance to the Music by Sly and the Family Stone. I mean, when you have access to all of the music in human history, what comes to mind first but Sly and the Family Stone? I, uh, oof. The 90s were largely a mistake. Please, if you see any movie that came out in 2005, make it stealth. Yeah, if you you have time this summer to watch one movie that came out in 2005, make it stealth. Starring Josh Lucas, Jessica Biel, Jamie Foxx, Sam Shepard, Joe Morton... And Richard Roxburgh? No idea. Um, uh... Anyway, I've talked enough about stealth. Well, I I feel like we got a lot out of that random question I had and the fact that Boston Dynamics is now selling (laughs) their spot. I I feel like there's nowhere else for that conversation to go. Uh, that's we talked. Yeah, we talked about Beast Wars. We <laughs> talked about Power Rangers. We talked about Stealth. These are all of the places I thought we were going to go from the question, John, have you ever wanted to own a robot? I'll be honest with you. Until I heard that question, I had not been as excited about Power Rangers or the 2005 movie Stealth in uh, maybe 15 years. Wow. Okay, I I have a Beast Wars thing. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I just want to cover this real quick, because I owned a lot of the toys, right? And I would catch the show when I could. One of the toys I owned was a crawfish? Oh, yeah. I had that one, too. Yeah, yeah. And, like, he had little daggers that came out of his claws? Oh, who was that? It was like (sighs) a... Crawdaddy. C-Clamp? Maybe C-Clamp, but... Okay, so... C-Clamp... Oh, I don't know. But you remember there being, like, a crawfish Beast Wars Transformer, correct? 
Absolutely. I owned it. I'm going to link you to a picture of it. Was he ever on the show? I don't believe that he was. Yeah, it was called Sea Clamp. Was he? Was this some weird regional targeted marketing? Because, I mean, I grew up in Louisiana, so a crawfish for me makes a lot of sense for there to be like an animal version of that as a robot. And I assume you, I mean, I know you're not from Mississippi, but I, did you, you grew up in Mississippi, right? Yeah, I grew up in Mississippi, but I uh, I was born in New England, so I actually got uh, sea clam, not sea clamp. <laughs> you got some sea clam chowder? Yeah, it was uh, it was actually a quahog clam with intense... This was him! Oh my was... god! Uh, yeah, I know sea clamp when I see him. Uh, but I had sea clam, which was a quahog clam with intense internalized racism. <laughs> oh no. Holy shit, you just found him, like, first goddamn try. Oh, man. He was never in the show, right? I really don't believe that he was, because this is the Beast Wars Transformers Wikia, and it does not mention any any of him being... His beast mode is a, does not mention him being in the show. The funny thing is that it, it, it mentions him being a lobster... But because he was he, he was brown, I always pictured him as being a crawfish. Yeah, it does not appear as though he's ever... But I own Sea Clamp, though, so I know where you're coming from. I also own Sea Clamp. He was one of my favorites. I, I, okay. I'm, so, I'm happy that we both shared Sea Clamp as, <laughs> as a shared experience. And I I'm do happy... have some unfortunate news for you. Oh, no, what happened? Uh, after the time warp wave front was detected entering Cybertronian space, General Sea Clamp sent Agent Ravage to track the wave back to its course, giving him the secretly developed Transwarp Cruiser. A meeting of the Trip Redacus Council was then called to discuss the fact that the Transwarp wave had been matched with the energy signature of the Dark Side. That is the only appearance of Sea Clamp in the cartoon. Okay, so that would explain why I would always try to catch Beast Wars. I didn't have a concept of like shows come on at specific times because I was an, I was a kid and I was as a kid I was really dumb. I was a very dumb kid. Uh, so I, I the, the episodes I was always catch would never have C Clamp in it, and so I was I, I just thought maybe it was like some weird regional targeted marketing where they're like, <laughs> yeah yeah Louisiana would would enjoy a crawfish. Beast Wars Transformer, but apparently Sea Clamp can combine with Ramhorn and Sisadakon to form Tripodacus. <laughs> uh, interesting. I I don't think I ever owned any of those other ones. <laughs> no, me. The only one I owned was like Sea Clamp, but I think I had the Optimus Prime and the the Megatron. Yeah, I, I I had Optimus Prime as a gorilla, but like a shiny gorilla. Uh-huh. And then C-Clamp, who was my favorite, who would battle everything else I owned. Because he had those cool daggers that came out of the ends of his claws. Like, you would, you would flip them up. I thought they were daggers. Maybe they were supposed to be projectiles that didn't go anywhere. But, uh, no, absolutely C-Clamps. I also had Baboom, the baboon, I think. 
You're at a, you're at a my league, my friend. I don't know. Beast Wars ruled, though. Let's. Beast Wars was awesome. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that we both are aware and know of it. It's there's two stances I want to make official for the Zero Credits Canyon. Number one, uh, Beast Wars existed and was good. Uh, number two, it's uh, it's always fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that caught me a little off guard. Uh, so the two axioms of zero credits, the two zero credits axioms are, number one, Beast Wars existed and was cool. Uh-huh. And number two, it's always fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, it's always fuck at the real Donald Trump. Those are the two. Nothing about this podcast has been real so far, but those two things are real. Yeah, yeah, those are the actual two first entries into the Zero Credits Canyon. God damn it. Oh, <laughs> don't feel bad. I genuinely said canyon when I said canon. So That's, it's actually canon now that it is canyon. <laughs> the funny thing is, I, I picked up on that, and I was thinking of it, and in my head it was like, don't say canyon because John said canyon, and that made me say canyon. Oh, All right, it so. is it is canyon that it's canyon. <laughs> All right, and the zero credits canyon. There are but two things: Beast Wars and fuck at real Donald Trump. Yeah, that's it. Oh, and I think that's the moral of the story of this episode. <laughs> that has that has wounded and wind and waned and waxed and woned. All the stages of the moon. Yep. My favorite stage of the moon is the wounded moon. <laughs> My favorite one is the uh, the gibbous. Oh yeah, yeah, the gibbous. Yeah, gibbous waxing. Yeah, waning. yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm a, I'm aware. Yeah, it's the one where the uh, if you look at it, you turn into a giant ape monster with a tail. I guess monkey monster in that case, and your power levels increase a billionfold. Yeah, it's a uh, canon. Can- I'm sorry, canyon. It's canyon. Yeah, they always fought in canyons. Yeah, yeah. All right, they did actually. The Uz- <laughs> the Uzarus did typically fight in like weird canyons. Everyone fights in canyons. There's just so much destructible landscape there. Vegeta, we have to get away from the city. We don't want to kill the civilians. Let's go to the national park full of canyons. <laughs> Let's go to Zion National Park to fight. <laughs> We're too close to Las Vegas. Let's go to Zion <laughs> National Park. It's the only safe place. Incredible. All right. This episode has been a trip, and we have taken you through the current Twitter happening and also Beast Wars. And that's really where we wanted to take you when we set off on this journey. So I think now is about the time where John says the episode should end. That's right, Henry. The episode should end. And so me, Henry, I'm going to take you through the social media plugs this week because it's John's turn to edit, right? That's right. Yep. I love how we always do this in front of the fans. <laughs> it's uh, it's the be- It's like when your parents discuss money in front of you. It's the best. The best. And if you want to send us the best, here's how you can do so. You can send us a tweet on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ. 
And John knows what that stands for. Yeah, that stands for... The Dragons are Power! That's right, John. And if you want to send us your own memories of who the best Beast Wars robot was when we all know it was C-Clamp, I think you're going to need a little more than 280 characters. So why don't you send us an email at email at zerocredits.net. That might have been a bit confusing because I said email too close to together. So the address is email at zerocredits.net. Send us a message about how C-Clamps is the best thing to ever happen to the world. We're also on Facebook, but who cares? Uh, we're on Spotify, and you can find us by searching zero credit, open parenthesis, S, close parenthesis, on Spotify under the podcast section, and you can find us. Uh, I tried to get us onto Google Music, but it seems like they're not reading our feed correctly, and so they only have like four episodes. So my 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 whole attitude toward Google Podcast is that it sucks. Oh well. We're also on Apple Podcasts, which is super cool because they aggregated our feed super correctly without any input from me. So go to Apple Podcast, find zero credits, leave a review on a star rating. That's going to help us climb the charts. That's going to help us climb the billboards. Let's take down Doja Cat somehow, even though that's not our genre. I feel like we're more of like a weird electro pop, kind of like an EDM, maybe some hard house. I'm not entirely sure where our wheelhouse lies, but that's for another time. For now, what I want you to do, you the fam, you are dear, dear fam, send a message to a friend. Check it on them. It's been a while. We've been social isolating a lot. Send a message. Reach out. See how they're doing. And then casually, while you're reconnecting with your good friend, slip in that you've been listening to Zero Credits Podcast. And and let's say how much it's helped you during these crazy times because we have fun interactive information and jokes about beast wars they're gonna be on that hook like a sea clamp is on like a weird magnetic hook of a weird robotic fissure that would catch a sea clamp that's what we want you to do because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive and I would like to register a quick uh, correction to Henry I know that you said that we are not in Doja Cat's category of Spotify, but I do want to let you know the Wu-Tang Clan did say that gamming is one of the elements of hip-hop, and you know that we both have these beautiful, beautiful gams made for climbing stairs for our robot masters, so we are technically hip-hop. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits, uh, socially distant, please, God, stay in your homes, please. Jesus Christ, stay in your homes. This is serious. Studios, we would like to wish you a happy week. Goodbye. Goodbye. And fuck Governor Abbott. Fuck Third Canyon Item. 